Now which way do we go? Pardon me. That way is a very nice way. Who said that? Don't be silly, Toto. Scarecrows don't talk. It's pleasant down that way, too. That's funny. Wasn't he pointing the other way? Of course, people do go both ways. Why, you did say something, didn't you? Are you doing that on purpose? Or can't you make up your mind? That's the trouble. I can't make up my mind. I haven't got a brain. Only straw. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Yeah, we saw a lot of people uh, without brains do a lot of talking Tuesday night. We saw a lot of, uh, we saw even more of them go to the voting booths and uh, vote for Hillary. Uh, and some of them voted for uh, for uh, Sanders too, but <clears throat> effectively ended his ended his uh, campaign this Tuesday. We're going to talk a lot about what happened this past week, and we're going to have some special stuff on for you. But first, let me before we go any further, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located in the city of Moreno Valley. Also offices in Temecula, Corona, Downey, Westlake Village, and Covina to service all of Southern California for all your real estate financing needs. If if you're interested in getting involved in any of those fantastic opportunities that are real estate and there are fantastic opportunities out there there's great there's great properties and there are great rates still and you need financing call me toll free at 855-640-2020 that's 855-640-2020 one more time day or night toll free 855-640-2020 if you want to get information but you don't want to talk to me on the phone because you're stealing time from your boss and you don't want him to hear your, your personal stuff Wait till your lunch break or your government-mandated 15-minute cigarette breaks. And uh, go to edhoffman.net. Click on Apply Now. Fill in all the information you want me to have. And uh, let me know how much information you want to get back. You'll hear from hear back from myself or one of my teammates, Matt Bradbury, Randy Sampius, Alex Rojas, Justin Clark, or Eric Marquez. And we'll help fill in your uh, real estate financing puzzle. Uh, if you hear something you want repeated, you can go to edhoffman.net. Click on listen to the main event, hear this show as well as four past shows, or you can get on iTunes. Uh, just search Ed Hoffman or the main event on iTunes, and you can uh, subscribe for free. Have it download once a week to your your iPad, your iPhone, your iPod, your i your computer, your iWatch, your eyeballs, uh, any other i anything or any. I guess it comes in on droids now too. So uh, about anywhere you can get technology stuff. I have to ask one of my grandkids if I get confused as to. Uh, how to work it. Uh, Rowan's four. She already uh, understands how to work these uh, Apple things better than me. Uh, if you don't want to wait all weekend uh, till next week to hear me, uh, hear my opinion on stuff, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. Uh, you can like the show on Facebook. The Facebook uh, search is uh, the main event 590. 
Um, and you could like our page, our show page. Uh, you can also read my weekly opinion columns in IE Business Daily, iebusinessdaily.com. Click on the opinion tab, see my full list. This week, it's about Hillary playing the woman card again, which is uh, something we're also going to talk about in just a moment. And I say we because uh, it's been, I don't know, three or four weeks since I've had my co-pilot, Scott McAfee, uh, proprietor of Don's Bikes, in the house. And uh, today we are uh, welcome uh, back with uh, Scott. Ed, it's great to be back in the house kicking it with you. Exactly. We just have, uh, it was an exciting night Tuesday. Loads of fun, Ed. Loads of fun. We'll have to. We'll have uh, all kinds of comments to put in there. Uh, Hillary Clinton became the first woman, oh my God, to win her party's nomination for president this week, crossing over 2,383 delegates needed to clinch the Democratic Party. Um, so I guess it's time to celebrate. Whoopee, Ed. Whoopee. Okay, Woo-hoo. I'm done celebrating. Okay, now exciting. Else? Exciting. You know, it's so it's so much. It's so important to. You know, get someone with a uterus in there. You know, it's, it has nothing to do with if you have a brain or or character or uh, or integrity or personality. It's just as long as as long as you have female female parts, then uh, that's that's really the thing. So uh, to mark the occasion, Hillary's campaign released a two minute forty three second video that pos- positioned herself as the mantle of feminism, alongside women's rights activists from the past and present. Breitbart writer Charlie Spearing uh, wrote the vi- wrote that the video was designed to make us think Clinton's campaign represents the pinnacle of feminism, as all these activists are working toward one goal that she will help them achieve. Let's play about a minute of that. If America is going to lead, we need to learn from the women of the world who have blazed new paths. Think of the suffragists who gathered at Seneca Falls in 1848, and those who until women could cast their vote. Those who think that the women's liberation movement is a joke, may I disabuse you of that notion. It is about equal opportunity. We are really talking about humanism. The time had just come when I had been pushed as far as I could stand to be pushed. I would have to know once and for all what rights I had as a human being. To create a better world, it's about putting ourselves in the shoes of people who need a voice. I am part of the new generation of suffragettes, and I will not stand silent. Human rights are women's rights, and women's rights are human rights once and for all. And I felt that was a lot of suffrage on my part, just having to listen to that. I agree. And uh, you know what? Uh, The equality of women is, I don't know. I never, you know, I look at me and my wife, we're... We're not equal. We're a lot different. I'm a lot bigger than her. No, my wife and I aren't equal either. She definitely wears the pants and controls. Uh, I will. I will say that. Uh, I will say that any guy that that uh, I'm any, about forty sixty. I think any guy guy who says he's uh, that's married that says his wife isn't the boss is just lying to you. But well, he doesn't say it when she's around. You know. Oh, I do. Okay. I do. My wife knows she's the boss. Okay, but I'm saying you wouldn't say you're the boss. You, I told, you might say it, but not when she's there. I told my kids when when they were growing up, I said, "Dad makes the money, Mom makes the rules." So, hey, she leads she leads the house. But you know what? When it comes time to uh, to making uh, big decisions, big decisions and financial decisions, hey, the way we raised our kids, Don made all the calls because I the calls I made, she corrected them, and I'm. But for my kids' sake, I'm glad she did. But when it comes to, when it comes to making money and making sure things are making sure that uh, she that our family's protected and that we make the financially and physically, that's my job. Yeah. All right. Well, back to Hillary Clinton, Ed. Any different than at your house? Well, as far as my wife making most of the calls on those things, yeah, it's pretty much true. 
But of course, I don't want Hillary Clinton in the White House, though. I'm talking about I'm talking about the 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 general direction of the okay. family. Okay. Yeah. No. Obviously, the the wife plays a very important role. That, that's there's no doubt about. Not where I was getting at. Okay. I was getting at the wife plays an important role, but the man has to be the man of the house still. Okay. All right. As long as you, except for when you're at home. <laughs> All right. Home is where we stay. Yes. It's not always where we live. So anyway, uh, I just, you know, I'm, I get to the, the, uh, the female thing, you know, when they talk about the inequality of, 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 um, how women, how women get paid. Hey, they only get paid 72%. Number one, I don't believe that because I got a whole bunch of women that work at my company and they make a whole bunch of money. Um, but you know what? I know when I hire, when I hire, uh, someone in their twenties and they're, and they're, they're married, they're going to be out having a baby at some point. Well, and, and also it's it's pretty obvious that in the United States, women have more equality than anywhere else in the world. I mean, where where else do women participate to the extent in our society? Where, where What other place in the world do women have more rights than here? Uh, nowhere. Nowhere. But, you know, apparently uh, we need Hillary Clinton to uh, to march the uh, the feminism thing out there. Yep. They're going to burn their bras again? I don't know. I don't know. No, it's, 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 it's kind of nauseating to me. Okay, so celebrities... Who only consider these th- these things historic if they happen to Democrats back on the Hillary bandwagon? Even if Bernie, even if Bernie's still in the race, uh, some some big celebrity tweets. Katy Perry tweeted out, not that I follow Katy Perry, but you know I heard about it. Uh, A lot of little girls are in bed right now, dreaming for the first time without limits. You broke the mold at Hillary Clinton. No, what she said was that you're moldy, Hillary Clinton. That's it. I or think, maybe she has toenail fungus or mold. Yeah. I think that's what she actually said. she just said. has that scent. Okay. Lindsay Lohan tweeted a photo of herself with Hillary and captioned it, history tonight for all women. See, I thought it's more like it's history for the, it might be history for the United States if she's elected. Apparently. Okay. Uh, and Ellen DeGeneres, Ellen DeGeneres tweeted, <clears throat> I've never been prouder to have a woman card. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. What? what Either do I, because I... There's got to be a good joke I in think, there somewhere. I think she has a woman card on her headboard right? on the opposite side where she sleeps. Okay. Well, so, I don't know. Well, and don't forget Elizabeth Warren also uh, uh, also was now backing Hillary Clinton. And that, by the way, for everybody, I'm sure everybody knows by now, uh, was the senator from Massachusetts that faked being a, an American Native uh, Indian to get a teaching job at Harvard uh, because apparently they wanted more diversity on their faculty. Um, and now she's a senator, of course, after lying. The whole thing was a big lie. Which is the reason that Trump always refers to her as Pocahontas. Correct, correct. And, and it proves my point, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Elizabeth Warren may be a Massachusetts hoe, but she's not a Navajo. <laughs> Sorry, I've been wanting to say that joke for a couple months now, so I'm glad I was able to sneak it in there. All right. Okay, good. Okay. So uh, Hillary... Hillary- <laughs> but but can Hillary really play the woman card from now until November? Uh, I don't think she can, but she's going to try. And this week, the goal was to make voters forget that pesky email scandal once and for all. So Sunday, uh, George Stephanopoulos. I prefer to call him Snuffleupagus. Snuffleupagus. Yeah. Mr. Snuffleupagus. Is that Sesame Street? Yeah. Uh-huh. Had to remember. Yeah. Had to remember. My kids are, my kids, my youngest just turned 30. So, okay. uh, so, uh, with, so on Sunday with uh, George Snuffleupagus, uh, she continued to report the, the lie that uh, previous secretaries of state like Colin Powell and Condi Rice had done exactly the same thing. Everybody in the department knew that I was emailing from a personal address. Hundreds of people knew it. People around the government knew it. And, uh, you know, that was uh, what uh, the practice had been. And that's uh, what I did as well. 
as she gets closer and closer to going to jail, yeah, I now feel the she noose, wants to bring some people with her. Right, I feel the noose tightening around her neck, Ed. Uh, as we've talked about months for months now, this email scandal is the gift that will continue to go on giving. Hillary, they, basically the Democrats have elected a felon as their nominee. She's a felon, and there's no way out of this. There's yeah. no way out. Yeah, I don't... I don't and they're, and they're talking about what happens if she gets indicted. They're going to put, I don't know how they're, I'm not sure you've heard it. They're talking about putting um, Joe Biden and and uh, Elizabeth Warren. Nice. That'll be the ticket. That'll be the ticket. Right. How, how, can, how can they do that, though? I don't know. They'll just have to make up some rules or whatnot. And again, I don't think she'll necessarily be indicted, but it won't matter. Will the FBI recommend uh, putting forth charges? I say yes. I say yes. That's my uh, prediction at this I point. Say, I say yes as well. Yep. I just, just will... Uh, the question is, is will Obama step in and stop it? Uh, again, I, I think the Justice Department will probably not pursue it, but it just won't matter. It'll give Trump plenty of material to go after. Um, and I think that will be uh, one more nail in the coffin of the Hillary campaign. So uh, as she as she tries to bring everybody down with it, and I wonder if, I wonder if, ever, if hundreds of people knew about it, did Barack Hussein Obama know about it? Well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Does that really matter whether people knew about it or not? It just means a lot of people went along with it, right? Does that make it right or legal, the fact that other people knew about it? Mm, I think it uh, brings to question the competency of everybody else in the government. Exactly, the whole administration. Be. Oh, they all knew about it. I mean, oh, you, okay. you look at the, you look at the, the Secret Service. I don't know, when George Bush was in there, I know uh, our Homeland Security Department seemed to catch all the, all the terrorists attempts to attack us and you know they they kept everything safe and nobody was jumping over the jumping over the the fence and getting into the white house and but now since since barack hussein obama has been uh occupying the white house they they get caught bumping into things with cars while they're drunk uh uh uh, hiring hookers in Colombia and not paying them um that's wrong to not pay them let you know they're falling asleep in the booth and let guys jump over the fence at the White House and get all the way in and like five rooms into the White House before they stop him. <laughs> I don't know. To me, to me, uh, and I even I even know a guy here in California who used to be a uh, uh, part of the Secret Service when he was uh, when uh, Jimmy Carter was in 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 office. And uh, you know what? Those guys take their job seriously, or did. Well, they do. And, and actually, there's a new book. I just got a glimpse of this. Uh, there's a new book coming out about a Secret Service agent that was assigned to Hillary Clinton that's going to be pretty interesting. I can't wait to read that one. I know. I think it's probably going to bring up the Fiji water thing because hmm. uh, what a uh, what a bee she is. Hmm. So uh, let's let's go on. So the State Department doesn't agree that everybody knew about the uh, uh, everybody knew about the uh, the extent of her of her private email server. And uh, apparently it's some spokesperson who apparently doesn't have a name because both Fox News and the New York Times weren't able to get a name for him, uh, he made these comments. There was uh, an incomplete understanding or knowledge of the extent of her use of uh, personal email at the time she was in office. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're starting to hear hear Hillary start to say, well, everybody knew and try to bring everybody down with her. And now, now the State Department's trying to backpedal. Say, well, I don't really think we really knew. Well, yeah, and she keeps referring it to a routine security review, Ed. There's no such thing as a routine security review by the FBI. There's things called criminal investigations, Ed. Which, which I think, 
was it yesterday or this morning that they came that someone from the FBI actually had those words come out of their mouth? What? Criminal investigation. Did he? I don't remember yeah. if it was James Comey or one of his uh, one of his uh, spokespeople, but it was either this morning. I, I saw it this morning. Um, I don't I don't know if it was a scene from yesterday or this morning. Because I was in Las Vegas for a couple of days and we were driving back last night, so I don't know. Could have been it could have been old news. Mm. I was listening. I was listening to Fox on the way home, but I didn't hear about it till this morning. So I'm assuming it was this morning. So uh, so so be it. So uh, I just think uh, this thing is is crumbling, as I know you do. Well, no, for sure. And I know that you know I, I for some reason end up getting the newspaper for about a month. I don't like getting the newspaper because it's basically nothing but a Democrat rag at this point. Uh, I know you get the paper. I don't really know why. Don't you? Don't you notice it's really biased? Uh, I don't ever read it. I, okay. I I take, Did you just use I, it to line your birdcage. I, I take or the dog what? for a walk, and as I'm on my way in, I grab the paper and I toss it on the couch where Don sits and drinks her coffee in the morning, and she likes to go through it. She likes to look at the the local section and uh, you know All right. see if we know anybody who's dying in the obituaries. And- <laughs> well, the reason I don't like reading it is because it's obviously extremely biased, like most of the media that's out there. But I thought, oh, it's interesting just to kind of browse through it. And I remember when uh, Uma Abedin and uh, the other gal that walked out of the FBI um, uh, interrogations—I uh, can't even think of her name now—one of Hillary Clinton's when right. I- right-hand people. Um, but I thought, well, surely that will get mentioned in the newspapers. And it got no mention at all. And the only article that was in there that was politically related was Trump University, this and that. So it's it's obviously biased. But there was several uh, editorial articles talking about, from a, from a left-wing standpoint, that they think Trump's probably going to win. And they listed three things that they thought would bring down a Hillary Clinton campaign. The first thing would be an economic downturn, which I think kind of makes sense. Uh, and as I've told you in the past, I think that's why states like Wisconsin and New Jersey elect Republican governors because they trust Republicans more in economic matters. The second thing would be a terrorist attack, which, you know, obviously we had one in San Bernardino. It was only back in December. I know it seems like a long time ago, though. Obviously, we just had another terrorist attack in Israel. What are the odds of this? There was something in Dallas Friday morning. Really? Something in Dallas. Okay. Um, you know, are we are we likely to get hit with another terrorist attack between now and November? That certainly could happen. The the third thing they thought would bring down a Hillary Clinton campaign is the email scandal, and I see this going nowhere but straight up and up and up and escalating more and more information. I mean, this is a serious investigation. Uh, do I think the FBI is probably politically biased? Yes. Uh, why are they doing this investigation? Because they have no choice. They have no choice. Um, I would agree with that. There's too much evidence to, to ignore it. But uh, you know, as of Tuesday, we're we're we have uh, we have Trump and we have yep. Hillary. Yes, we do. And although I'm sure uh, Bernie is still going to try and argue the uh, the super delegates, because I don't know if if you take away the super delegates and assign the ones from the states that Bernie won 22 out of 50 states, so it was pretty pretty close. If you take those yeah. away, does Hillary still go over the uh, 2383 or whatever the number is for the the Democrats that she needs? Um so some so you know some of some of you are out there are in denial and you just haven't got on the Trump train yet, but it's it, it's Trump or it's Hillary at this point. It's Trump or Hillary. Trump obviously went way over the way over the delegates he needed. Um so that's what we are and some of some of the other Republicans out there still 
clinging to your never Trump belief. Oh, I'm sorry. Hashtag never Trump uh, beliefs. Um, so to represent uh, both sides today, and some of you have said, hey, why don't you bring somebody on on the other side? And to hash it out, uh, we brought in uh, a special guest. Would you like to uh, do the intro, Scott? I'd, I'd love to, Ed. And this is one of the things that concerns me quite a bit. And the reason is, is because there is definitely a never Trump movement on the Republican side. And we, we don't have to look any further than our own station here as some of the hosts that are regulars on this station, uh, you know, Mark Levin, uh, Ben Shapiro, Michael uh, Medved. Michael Medved. Uh, certainly Prager's been a very anti-Trump uh, person, he, although he's now resigned himself to the fact he will vote for Trump. But there's been a lot of anti-Trump sentiment and, and some never-Trump sentiment on this side. Um, so that concerns me. And when you look at, I saw a recent poll and it showed that, you know, Trump basically won with 40% of the Republican vote. That means there's 60% of Republicans who didn't vote for him. This survey also said that of those remaining 60%, 20% won't vote at all. 20% will vote for a third party independent candidate and 20% will vote for Hillary. Now, if though, if that poll turns out to be true, we're going to lose. I don't think it will in the end. I think Trump's got plenty of time to turn around a lot of hearts and minds. We've got some very, very uh, important, interesting debates that are going to be coming up. But certainly to at least express that side, I wanted to bring in an individual uh, to kind of talk about uh, somebody who's kind of in that never Trump camp. Uh, so before I introduce this kind person, of? kind of, he is in the never Trump camp. He, he looks pretty serious. He does look very serious. Well, he looks serious, but he's got his, I want to win uh, game face on today. <laughs> there he goes. Well, um, so just to give you a quick, uh, quick bio before he, uh, before I introduce him, he is 21 years old. So he is a millennial. He is a registered Republican, considers himself conservative. Uh, if you want to go way back at, at in, and when he was in kindergarten, he could read at a sixth grade level. They gave an IQ test in elementary school. He scored at 151. Uh, he went on to graduate a valedictorian from Damien high school. While he was at Damien high school, he was a high school debater. He has won and placed very high in state and national level public policy debates. Uh, he got a degree in communications from John Paul the Great Catholic University. Uh, he's currently enrolled to get a master's degree in Bible theology, and he plans on being a theology professor. So just to give you an idea who our guest is, oh yeah, and I almost forgot to mention, he's my son. Nicholas McAfee, welcome to the main event. Thanks for having me on, guys. I, I guess this proves the fact that parents are indeed allowed to brag about their children. <laughs> oh, that was that was, what that I was, was doing? That was far too, far too kind. But um, since I know we don't have much time left, right. uh, and thanks, Ed, again for, for hosting me, um, I think I just give a little bit of a, of a sure. layout of, of where I stand because, um, as you may or may not know, Hugh Hewitt actually just joined uh, my my camp, as you put it. And I, the I would, Never Trumps? The, well, he, he is now calling for, and I'm not saying I agree with this, but Hugh Hewitt is now arguing and advocate has suggested that it would be beneficial for the Republican Party to unseat Trump at the convention. I'm not I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying that Hugh Hewitt has now moved to a point of thinking that Donald Trump is too unworth the risk. But we'll get to that later. I would like to just start off by um, saying doing my 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 Pontius Pilate uh, washing my hands of Hillary, because I know that that's uh, that's oftentimes what is probably going to be. Um, flung at us because, to be honest, Never Trump isn't a movement. Ben Shapiro said this. It's a group of people who, for a lot of different reasons, they aren't very organized. Uh, you know, Bill Kristol has tried to do his shtick with an independent candidate. God bless him. But uh, generally, it's it's not about any sort of political movement. It's certainly not really even, I would say, an establishment movement. It's just that, you know, 
when it comes down to uh, to what our vote means in November, I think we're kind of on different pages. So um, I totally I'd like to start off by just saying I totally agree with um, with everyone's indictment of Hillary here. I mean, I, I pray she gets indicted every day. Um, she needs her due jail time. I think it might uh, might allow her to stew on um, on all of her sins. But I do think this is about perspective. So when we get back into our debate, I know I understand, Dad, you want to ask me some some questions. Yeah. OK, cool. Um, you're not allowed to call him dad while you're on the radio. Scott. <laughs> Scott McPhee. My, my, my son works for me, and Don made it very clear. He's dad when you're at home, when you're at our house, and when you're at the office, he's Ed. He's your boss. Very no, good. No special, no special favors Oh, for there will be no special treatment in this in this hour. Um, I just wanted to set some sort of parameters. I'm not going to really—there's there's so many—there's like a litany of, um, of Trump sins that we could go over today, but I think really it's about parameters in terms of, okay— how do we how do we actually evaluate Trump? I think people just sort of jump to an assumption. I would say uh, that first we have to talk about okay, which of his statements do we actually value? He talks about a wall. He talks about Curiel. I tend to think that we have to prioritize. And we can talk about this after the break. His off the cuff statements, what he says in the spur of the moment, not his prep speeches, and that's what I'm going to go after. What he's and done, we'll, not what he says he wants. And we will talk about that in more detail in part two of the main event. But first, we got five minutes of traffic, weather, and uh, commercials. Don't go away. We'll be right back with part two. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk much about mortgages or uh, real estate on this show because I'm trying not to keep you guys, uh, not make you go to sleep behind the wheel. But if you want to talk about mortgages or real estate, uh, and if you think that I think like you, then call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I'll help you solve that. But meanwhile, I'm in here. I'm in the studio with, for those of you that are just joining me with, uh, with my, uh, regular co-pilot Scott McAfee and, uh, and our never Trump guy, also Scott's son, Nick McAfee. And, uh, guys, welcome back. And it's great to be here. Great to be back. All right. So, uh, so let's, let's lay out, let's lay out some stuff. Uh, uh, Nick is a, uh, 21 year old, uh, overqualified <laughs> compared to me. Cause I'm a college dropout. I'm I'm just like you know Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. I'm just not qualified. I couldn't, couldn't, uh, couldn't finish college. Um, and I'm just in here with these two college-educated guys. I feel out outclassed. So I'm gonna just try and moderate this so I don't look dumb, like I'm uneducated. Well, see, that's the great thing about living in the state of California is we're all in this great same boat where we can you know come to the polls and watch every single one of our candidates lose, you know, sixty thirty. <laughs> so we're all in the same boat in that sense. I, I got to experience that feeling for the first time. That's true, and Tuesday. and and there there is one advantage that I have over our uh, Never Trump guy is I'm fifty four, he's twenty one. So <clears throat> there's some there's something that you know we never want to admit it when we're twenty one. Never want to admit it that when we're 21 until we start to become, as we get older and we begin, we start to, as we see, we raised our kids and we get wise in the process of raising kids, get wise in the process of paying the bills all those years. So, uh, <clears throat> so there's some wisdom there. So anyway, I know, uh, so the first topic we'll talk about is, uh, Donald Trump ticked a lot of people off this week with the whole Trump university judge situation. Now I've talked about the Trump university, the whole, the whole lawsuit thing as ridiculous because the fact that someone would spend money on on a real estate how to how to make money in real estate and then not do anything with it i was at the the mastermind summit for uh, loan originators and mortgage mortgage people this week and tony robbins spoke and one of the first things he said again 
is, you know what, all this knowledge that you're going to gain without action, without executing your plan, anybody can make a plan. It's how many people can execute one. And if you can execute one, you'd be, you'd be uh, successful beyond your dreams. And so the whole Trump university thing, people buying those, buying those, those, how to, how to, how to make money in real estate and not doing anything with it. It's epidemic in this country. People going to college and then not doing anything with their with their uh, with their degree. Well, I think I'll get a uh, I don't know a basket weaving degree. Okay, that's that's important. You know what are you gonna do with it? People don't. Hey, what are you gonna do with it? So uh, so anyway so so but th- but this week Donald Trump made it made some comments based on uh, based on who the judge that's overseeing his Trump University thing. And just to do a quick recap, the the judge in in the U.S. District Court. Uh, in question is Judge Gonzalo Curiel, who's presiding over two of the three lawsuits against Trump University in his San Diego courtroom. In late May, Judge Curiel ruled that parts of Trump University playbook documents could be released to the public. He said the reason for the ruling was was the public interest in the case, and because Trump became the front runner of the Republican front runner in the Republican nomination in 2016 presidential race, he has placed the integrity of this course proceedings at issue. After that, Trump said this at his San Diego rally. I have a judge who is a hater of Donald Trump, a hater. He's a hater. His name is Gonzalo Curiel, the judge who happens to be, we believe, Mexican, which is great. I think that's fine. You know what? I think the Mexicans are going to end up loving Donald Trump when I give all these jobs. I really didn't hear anything that was that terrible in that. Did you, Scott? No, it sounded kind of... Like typical Trump, you know. That's what I thought. Sort of. I, he kind of just rambled. Nick. Yeah. And maybe that's part of the problem is I feel like I feel like Donald Trump. He he says these um, off the cuff remarks. I mean, to to say that he's not a brander, that he doesn't know his target audience, I think is is wrong. I think he knows. I think there's an intention behind everything he does, even if it's not the most coherent intention. Um, and that's when I guess my biggest problems about Trump is I would say that the whole political dialogue, right? It's, politics has never been clean. But what he has sort of sunk us to is this new normal where he can make comments like that, which I would say is light race baiting. I'm not going to say Donald Trump is a racist. I don't know his heart. I don't think we can know his heart. But to sort of say that, well, you know, there's nothing in that. I mean, I think, and we're going to play later that clip from Jake Tapper. I, uh-huh. I think he, he meant what he said even if it was a short remark well you know what uh i will i will say yeah he's not polished we have a really well polished orator in the in the white house and i think people are tired of it because they're tired of hearing all these guys that make great speeches and then we we elect them in and they do nothing they accomplish nothing they don't know how to push the execute button so uh but this whole thing made republicans a lot of republicans cringe including paul ryan who just endorsed him uh in the last few days paul ryan said this Disavow these requirements. I regret those comments that he made. I don't think claiming a person can't do the job because of their race is sort of like the textbook definition of a racist comment. I think that should be absolutely disavowed. It's absolutely unacceptable. I'm not going to defend these kinds of comments because they're indefensible. And throughout the week, Trump had has both doubled down and walked back his comments. He managed to do both in this interview with Jake Tapper on CNN. I have had horrible rulings. I've been treated very unfairly by this judge. Now, this judge is of Mexican heritage. I'm building a wall. So everybody. no Mexican judge could ever be involved in a case well, that involves you? Uh, he's a member of a society where, you know, very pro-Mexico, and that's fine. It's all fine. 
but except I think, that you're calling it the I question think he his should recuse himself because he's and then Latino. you also say does he know the lawyer on the other side I mean does he know the lawyer you know a lot of people say but I'm not yes, talking about that I'm talking no, about that's like, another that's another problem but you're invoking his race when talking about whether or not he can do his job I'm building a wall I'm trying to keep business out of Mexico Mexico's fine there's nothing but he's American he's an American uh, he's of Mexican heritage, and he's very proud of it, as I am where I come but from. But he's my an parents. American. You keep talking about Jake. It's a conflict Jake. of interest because of Mexico. Are you ready? He's giving me horrible. But I don't care if you criticize him. That's fine. You can criticize every decision. What I'm saying is, if you invoke his race as a reason why he can't do his job, I think that's why he's doing it. Well, you know, when uh, when Trump talks about he's a member of a society or organization. Uh, that's pro-Mexico. He's talking about the La Raza Lawyers Association, which is kind of like the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce or the, the like, what was some of the uh, comment, the, the Black uh, Amer the black Caucus? Yeah, uh, to me, um, I have no, uh, I have no love loss for groups like La Raza or any kind of La Raza affiliated lawyers groups. I think we as a society, we as a nation should be above and beyond uh, the, those kinds of groups. We don't, need a, we don't need a black caucus. We don't need a Mexican caucus any more than we need a white caucus or a group of white lawyers and attorneys. As far as Trump's comments, uh, not very smooth, not very polished. Uh, does it mean that I wouldn't vote for him? No. As a matter of fact, as uh, son, as you know, I just had a heart surgery on Monday. Do I care whether the surgeon made some off-color comments uh, to a bunch of his colleagues before he did the operation. Nope, I don't care. I don't care. And when I when I did a lot of kind of looking at Donald Trump and I'm thinking, okay, is, is this an act or is this really Trump? I think I've come to the conclusion it's probably a little bit of both. But ultimately, can he do the job? Can he do the things he says he's going to do? I think he probably can. I mean, let's put it this way, right? I happen to have a mom who's of Hispanic descent. Yep. I am thus half Mexican. Yep. Um, I would like to think to some extent I am proud of my heritage. Now, I, I, the La Raza thing is, is perfectly like there are many ways and Jake Tapper put this very clearly. There are many ways you could criticize this judge. Yep. And even Mark Levin on his show lately said, you know, he goes after judges. That's not the problem here. The problem is that Donald Trump and he said this about seven or eight times in the Jake Tapper interview. He's, he said, look, Jake, I'm building a wall. This guy's Mexican. He is a, he's proud of his Mexican heritage. Ergo, that somehow makes him unable to do his job. That alone. There are other things that you can criticize him for. But like Paul Ryan said, to say that someone is incapable of doing their job based on their race, I, I would say that that applies to me. That would If I almost became, you know, I could have gone into law, lots of debaters do that. Would I have been, if I'm proud of my Mexican heritage, by Donald Trump's standards, unfit to judge that case? I think he would say yes. Hmm. I don't, I don't, you know what, there's, there's a difference between being, being half, half Hispanic heritage and full Hispanic heritage and a member of La Raza. Well, being, being a member of, Hey, he, he didn't, he's not, Hey, he's not just a guy who's, who's half Hispanic, half Mexican. And he's saying, Hey, I'm half Mexican. So I can't, he's, he's half Mexican. He's a member of an organization that, that promotes. What? Do we even know what they do? I mean, to my understanding, they like sponsor people who are and let's face it like mexicans i'm not i'm not arguing for this i'm just giving a reason why like there there are scholarships for everything under the sun right i could get a scholarship because i'm a debater i could get a scholarship because i'm a hispanic debater just because you know maybe i'm not i don't fully agree with that logic doesn't mean like you know every, every kid when they're going to college looks at their scholarship options similarly for this it sounds like it's just a group of 
people of this particular ethnicity and they probably get sponsorships to help them you know oftentimes you have to campaign for some jurors i don't exactly I, th I think there's this there's not really a question what they do it's just that they are la raza and well i think i think the enemy. I, I think donald trump rightfully so is saying hey i've said some stuff that some people have taken taken off you know he, he, people are calling him a racist because he said we should stop muslim people from coming in here until we get get a hold of what's going on we can vet these people and know who's coming in and he said hey you know he never said that all mexicans were were rapists and and criminals he said a lot of the people that are coming over here legally there's a lot of it's not it's not the the mexican government's not sending their their best and brightest they're sending their they're, there's a lot of criminals i mean they're sure they're and crossing I, over illegally they're criminals right there yeah i think i think we agree on those things and that's why i don't want this to get bogged down and like parsing out everything that trump said that could be controversial because i think we all agree he said a lot of things yep. that could be controversial i think what i would like to do is sort of say okay how do we frame this debate how do we judge this guy and i guess um Hugh Hewitt put it really well. I mean, you can have a principled standpoint, right? I don't think he's a conservative. I don't think he stands for conservative values. But from a pragmatic standpoint, we are going to get slaughtered in November. I think there are a lot of good reasons why, if the economy turns down, if we have a terrorist attack, if something bad happens, if Hillary gets indicted, which, I mean, Obama endorsed her. I mean, I think, to be realistic, her chances of getting indicted, as much as I would like that, are low. Hugh Hewitt's point is, look, the plane is crashing into the mountains. You have senators like Kirk, like Flake, people in tight races who are not unendorsing Trump because it's, you know, what they believe in per se. It's because it's political suicide. We're going to see, for the first time, Utah is competitive now. Utah. What, what happened with that? I don't, I don't see a realistic world in which this nominee not only wins, I think you're seeing him losing even whites by the same proportions Romney is. That didn't cut it. I don't see a path to victory here. So I think we need to be real about what our vote means because it's not simply voting you know, to stand for something, there has to be a pragmatic, a realistic solution to victory. And I think if Trump's at the top of the ticket, which it seems like he is, I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see us lose the Senate. And I think we're going to lose a lot of the House, maybe a majority. Okay. First of all, I'll counter that by saying that some of the polls have actually tightened a lot. For example, it showed Trump down double digits like months ago. Those polls have tightened a lot. As a matter of fact, a recent one I saw was almost statistically tied. Uh, for example, he's actually up by three points in Ohio, which is a huge swing state. Remember last time? That's the one that cost us the election. We have to look he's, at polls as a whole. I mean, okay. like I think it was, he was ahead since May, since he became the presumptive mm -hmm. nominee. He has only been ahead of Hillary in three out of 43 nationwide polls, three out of 43. So even if you want to cite an individual poll, let's look at the whole, let's look at the whole scope of things. Just yesterday, the Fox News poll said he had lost, um, he was now down, I believe, somewhere between three and six points on Hillary. And he had lost, since his statement, since this last week, he had lost 11 points with independence. I oh. think the trajectory is downwards. Right okay. I th well, for one thing, I think polls this far out, you got to give them, take them with a grain oh, of salt. Sure. But, but to yeah. show that he's only three points down to me, statistically, that's about a tie. Uh, I think he's going to tear her head off in the debates coming up. I think that's going to be a blowout for her. And I think the one thing about Trump, keep in mind that the Republican Party created Trump. They created Trump by being largely ineffective on every single without without and I can't even think of an exception. Where have we won as conservatives for the last 10 years? We've lost on gay marriage. We've lost on abortion. We've lost on the deficit in spending. We lost horribly on Obamacare. Remember, remember, that's what the senators were all supposed to uh, to fight against. All the ones that got elected when we took back the Senate. They did nothing. We lost in the Iranian nuclear deal. We were losing on the stupid transgender bathrooms. We're losing on religious liberty. We're losing on immigration. We're losing on taxes. We're losing on the size of government. Republicans and conservatives 
Reservists are tired of losing. We lost with McCain. We lost with Romney. Why? Because they didn't fight quite. And that's 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 a great segue into yep. what I what what so so as my my sort of perspective is like you can think about it like um, Republican voters who are voting for Trump. I see them as like that uh, sort of desperate college senior who's gone eight years without you know scoring a date. And um, all his friends, all his friends at Fox News and Drudge are saying, oh, like, let's pair you with, you know, the high school um, loose woman. And uh, and yeah, it's scoring a win. But <laughs> what is that really worth at the end of the day? First of all, I mean, how many STDs, <laughs> how many STDs are we left over from that uh, that win? Um, mm-hmm. So I, 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 I'm I'm equally as frustrated as you, dad. And I think um, uh, John Ziegler had a great piece um, in the last couple months talking about how, you know, look. I think Donald Trump four eight years ago is not palatable to the American Repu- to the American Republican electorate, and I think the reason, if I had to say, if I had to blame, and I don't want to blame. I mean, okay, let's face it, it's politics. We like blaming people, but if I had to lay Trump's candidacy and where he is now at the feet of any one group, John Ziegler made this great point that if you look at the way the nomination went, um, the political oxygen that funds campaigns is airtime. It's it's airtime. And Scott Walker was at first supported by uh, Matt Drudge and his organization. So for a while, you have the Fox News cycle. As everybody a, in prime time supported by me, too. and he was support. Yeah, and and what happened to his campaign? Right, you look at like Ben Carson, you look at uh, Carly Fiorina, you look at uh, John Kasich. None of these people had any business being in as long as he did. Why did Scott Walker drop out so early? And I think Ziegler made a good point that as soon as all his political oxygen went away, as soon as Trump gets in the race, Matt Drudge gets behind Trump, and suddenly you have the Fox News cycle. And let's face it, we conservatives, we like grabbing onto the media outlets we have, right? Generally speaking, the mainstream media is left-leaning. And so it's good that, you know, we, we like our solidarity, but I think the problem is that um, sometimes there's a risk of becoming an echo chamber. And for whatever reason, after Matt Drudge gets behind Trump, you see Sean Hannity, Bill O'Reilly, Greta Van Susteren, nonstop primetime coverage, either apologizing for Trump, saying he's not as bad as he is, or straight up shilling for him. You look at like Hannity's rallies that he's staging with him, just throwing him softball questions. There's no doubt in my mind that the nine months of nonstop positive media coverage on Fox News is the reason why Trump is palatable to the American people. I don't think it's all all positive. I think Hannity is pro-Trump. I think uh, O'Reilly is kind of... He's trying to. He's trying. I don't think O'Reilly was in his camp. I don't think Greta is, and I know that uh, Megyn Kelly isn't. But you know what? What I'm. What my opinion of the last few minutes of of uh, of banter has been. We're making judgments based on on what is typical. What we can. Hey, when this is going to happen, all these people are going to vote this way. All these people are going to vote that way. Sixty percent of the people in the Republicans that didn't vote for Trump, because. The number one, like me, I wouldn't have voted for Trump if if everybody was still in because I liked Scott Walker, I liked Rick Perry, I liked Ben Carson, I liked Carly Fiorina, and Trump was next. If those guys have had Carly Fiorina, $45 million in assets, if she would have just stayed in like she said she was going to, she would have been, as far as I'm concerned, she would have been the Iron Lady, but she but she, but she, she got out instead of staying in. But how much airtime was she getting? Like how many, she, I know her, she numbers, her numbers were just flatlined. I know, but at a certain at a certain point, if she's still in, she'd start getting airtime like uh, Kasich and, and Carly Fiorina is awesome compared to John Kasich as a Democrat. Yeah. So she, <laughs> they could have done that. And, and I think the Republicans are so tired of nobody pushing the execute button. Hey, I don't care what your plan is. If you can't execute it, it doesn't do anything for us. I agree. And that's why I think ultimately, um, and again, I, I think the idea of a, um, 
of unseating Trump at the convention. It sounds kind of cool to people like me. I don't think that's that's I don't think that's realistic. What I would say, Dad mentioned three reasons why Trump is going to win. Three big reasons why I think he's not going to win comes from focus. So first of all, Trump's campaign from a business perspective has just been an unmitigated disaster. There's been internal feuding. You have the leak of that conference call. There's really no focus. He's trying to say that California and New York are competitive. There's no world in which that's the case. And I think you see lately this report came out where internally GOP donors, Trump, Trump, I think back in March said, oh, I'm going to raise a billion dollars. Easy, no problem. Now we're going to be happy if we have $200 million. There's a serious chance that not only is the GOP coffers bankrupted by Trump, but that donors just aren't coming out. There's no money. There's no one buying ads. And so you're going to see a lot of donors that flock behind Romney just haven't come out. I think well, that's a huge reason well, why Trump's well, going to have problems. Well, you know why November. people aren't donating is because he said he was going to bankroll the whole thing himself. Well, correct. And also, Nick, I would say for anybody that, that has these third-party dreams, pipe dreams, for for who like who who okay Hugh Hewitt who's gonna be the third party person like I want to see the name right now I don't want to see it at the twelfth hour big surprise no 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 I want to know now who are you saying is gonna I don't come think he's and be our big savior party I, I well think, then who does he what or what does sure, he support and, and I, I'm not I'm not nothing and how nothing. many and how many people Look. that cast their vote are gonna be ticked off beyond belief yes when the when the republican exactly. party comes in and says no. we're smarter than you were i agree and i think that was one of the, i think that was the one of the silliest news cycle things that was spun by fox in the le- in the last hour was that somehow ted cruz recruiting people for the second ballot was rigging the system like sean hannity in his interview on ted cruz he asked him over no one cared about that until fox made them care about it. i think i agree with you i think it would be it would be a public relations nightmare if republicans did that so that's why my current opinion I think it would be best for the party, best for the future, because let's face it, I, I, I'm from the position not only for money reasons, but also, like I said, organization focus. Trump wants to spend money in California and New York. I don't think the structure is there to help Donald Trump win. I think he does have a lot of time. I'll I agree think if with the that. Republican Party gets behind him, they 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 can put it in. I, I agree. And also Trump Trump has the assets himself to do it. See that? Oh, that. See, that's. I'm not so sure about okay, that. Okay. All right. Well, I think uh, there was there was a great piece. Um, and don't poison the well fallacy on me. The New York Times. I know New York Times. They can say some good. I'm things. already bored. So a- a- Adam Davison, Mark Cuban, uh, Adam Davison had this great piece on Donald Trump's business record. I will agree. He is a great brander. That is, it, and, that, and that's part of business. That's great. That's also but part of politics. Sure, it's part. It's and it's 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 why he's where he is now in politics. Sure, but yep. in terms of the substance, what about his like actual executive level business decisions? Uh, a lot of it's Who's? hot air. A lot of Trump's, Trump's. A lot of his. Most of his buildings, he didn't build. Other companies built. He put his name on it. He had deals, right, to sponsor to to put his name on things. Mark Cuban. Yeah, but but is his is his company still intact? Sure, yeah, but his company is a branding company. Okay. I, I, think I don't want to waste time arguing sure. whether Trump is worth $5 billion as opposed to nine because that's just... Well, well no, the fundamental the, question is, does he have money to put in his campaign? Yes. He has said he's... He, he basically has implied that he doesn't. I don't think the money's there. I don't think... Okay. I, there's, there's a reason why he's reaching out and trying to court super PACs. It's because he doesn't have the money to put into himself. He's not going to be... The self-starting campaign thing is... I don't know. I think that got popped a long time ago. Okay. I'm going to throw one thing at you real quick, and then you can respond to sure. part or all of it. Dennis Prager, who is a no Trump person, has come out and said he will vote for Trump. And he had said he listed nine reasons why. Let me run this through you real quick. Number one, to prevent a left wing Supreme Court. That alone, that alone is reason to unify behind Donald Trump. He's already put his list out there. We've seen who they are. You get behind him based on that alone. Number two, he'll increase defense budget. Number three, he'll repeal or modify Dodd-Frank. And I think you'd be in favor of that hell yeah uh number four he'll prevent dc from becoming a state uh number five he'll repeal obamacare 100 behind that number six curtail illegal immigration 
um, something that I'm sorry, but not even Ronald Reagan did, nor did George Bush one or two. None of them. They've all failed on that. Number seven, reduce regulation on businesses. Number eight, lower corporate income taxes. Number nine, continue fracking. Here's my nine reasons why to back Donald Trump. Number one, defund Planned Parenthood. He said he will. We'll see. Number two, destroy ISIS. That's actually not true. Number three, stop political correctness. He's doing that right now, and I love it. Number four, improve relations with Israel. Number five, rehab the VA. Number six, restore standing in the world as a force to be reckoned with and respected. Uh, next one, reduce the national debt. Uh, next one, stop Iran from acquiring nukes. And the final reason, I think he won't be boring. <laughs> he certainly won't be boring. I hey, let's, certainly agree. Let me, he won't let me be play this little piece of his speech from Tuesday night, which I Go thought was it. I thought was awesome. And I said, and I even tweeted it out. This is all we ever wanted from the president of the United States. Now I know some people say I'm too much of a fighter. My preference is always peace, however, and I've shown that. I've shown that for a long time. I've built an extraordinary business on relationships and deals that benefit all parties involved, always. My goal is always, again, to bring people together. But if I'm forced to fight for something I really care about, I will never, ever back down, and our country will never, ever back down. That line in itself makes you feel great about America. You know, we want to. We want someone who's going to stand up. I even said, you know, when George Bush was at his most popular was right after 9/11 when he when he when he spoke like like he was he was mad. He spoke tough. He meant it, and he and he kept a stiff upper lip. And somewhere along the line, they told George, hey. You're being too mean. Put a little more, be a little bit more friendly. So he'd say something serious, and then he'd pop a little smile at the end. And I go, why'd you do that? You just look. And I see why people are frustrated. I mean, just to to briefly respond to that litany of yep. things. I think there are a lot of things that you said that aren't true in terms of you know Trump saying he wants to be fair to Palestine. Uh, things in terms of Trump off the cuff. What's his first statement? I think you have to value those more. That he would nominate his pro-choice abortion. A candidate, the one congressperson he endorsed in the Tuesday races, guess who that was? It was the pro-open borders, Renee Elmer. She's also a pro-choice trader. Um, so I think you look at his track record, look at what he's done, not what he says he's going to do. Look at what he's done. I think the record there is in large part vacuous. So I would just ask voters out there, Republicans out there, to um, prep for Hillary Clinton, prep for the next four years of the same old, same old Obama, and get ready to have a strategy for that. Don't throw all your eggs in a broken basket. And I would say, look at what Trump has done in his company and what he's accomplished as opposed of what he said while he's campaigning because clearly he's not a politician. Hey, we're going to continue this. I'm going to have you guys both back on in a couple of weeks. That would be awesome. And uh, we'll continue this because you guys out in the out in the airwaves have asked me for it. Let's pull out the other side on as well. But we're out of time. So, uh, folks, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and we will be back again with you next week. <laughs>